Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, fellow patriots, welcome, fellow deplorables, welcome, all you drinks in society, you rock dwellers, you sycophants and stinkos. You know who they're talking about. They're talking about you. And you know who you talk, we are talking about when we call you friends, allies, and patriots. We're also talking about you. And you're always welcome here, and this is the Conservative Commanders Radio Show. And I'm Rick Trader, coming to you from the MyPillow studios of the AUNTV Network. And joining me as my co-host is the president and CEO of the Frontiers of Freedom. That is George Landreth. And George, welcome back. Welcome back to Conservative Commandos. It's great to be here because this is the place to be, my friend. Both the Conservative Commandos and the AUNTV Network. Place to be. Hey, George, it, 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 it's really ramping, starting to ramp up to the election, to the 2024 election. And uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> I want to get this guy, uh, this guy, oh, Biden, I, want, uh, I just want to be rid of him. So oh, anyway, yeah. we've got. Well, to, I don't we, think America can handle, uh, you know, I mean, I hope we survive the next two years. But if if some by some horrible catastrophe, he won re-election. I don't know that America could survive that, to be honest with you. Well, we got some news about the potential presidential candidates. Tim Scott was booed for telling the truth on The View. Oh, my gosh. Say it ain't so, George. Somebody tells the truth on The View. Yeah, I mean, I I think he was on The View. He was talking about that America is a great place and all this. and, And they were basically white women lectured him on how he doesn't know what it's like to be a black man in America. <laughs> and he was, some oh, of the audience, you know, gosh. he pointed out, hey, I don't need you telling me what it's like to be black. And his <laughs> point was, America's a great place. And, and I think he made a pretty powerful case that freedom and opportunity in America uh, has made it so that blacks in America live in a way that other blacks across the globe could only dream of. But he got booed for that because after all, <laughs> the uh, I think it's Joey Behar who's done who's been who's worn blackface before. She knows apparently more what it's like to be a person of color in America because of her experience with blackface yeah. than an actual man who is black and you know, if you listen to his personal story, it's pretty impressive. In one generation he went from working in cotton fields to being a US senator. That's pretty I don't good. know about you, but that sounds like some progress to me. <laughs> That's some personal progress. You know, uh, uh, apparently what it is, is uh, that Tim Scott is just not their kind of black man. So, you know, well, they, right. he they, don't they think the way they think a black man should think. He doesn't think the way they, the white woman on a view, tell black people around America how they should be thinking. Isn't that, a, isn't that unusual? Tim Which I Scott, think is I'm, very racist if you think about it, because 
I bet you if we went on The View, they may not like us, but they wouldn't tell us that what we thought wasn't white enough. Well. You know, but they'll, but they'll tell a black man that what you think isn't black enough. And I'm just like, wow, these people are racists. Yeah, well, Tim Scott, God bless him. Uh, I don't know. All right, he's a senator. He's a senator from South Carolina. I don't know what his accomplishments are other than he is black, other than he's a senator from South Carolina. That's it. I don't think that, I don't think, I think if he was a white Tim Scott from South Carolina, he would never be considered a presidential candidate. That, that concerns me about Tim Scott. I'll tell you what else concerns me about him. You know, Heritage Action rates each member of Congress and gives them a score depending upon how conservative they are. What, alarmed, what alarms me about Tim Scott is Tim Scott's score is only 80%. Now, that might be sound pretty good, except when you consider the average Republican senator has a heritage conservative score of 91%. Yeah, I'm not an expert on his voting record, but I kind of look at the um, the different candidates we have, and I, I, Chris Christie doesn't really do much at all for me. Oh, you want to get me started on him again? I think <laughs> I did that the other day. Did not. <laughs> but, but in general, I kind of think to myself, it's kind of interesting that we have all these potential, I think, what I would call serious candidates. I'm not saying that they're all the best candidates, but I, I think to myself, and look at the Democratic Party. Who's their most serious candidate? Joe well, Biden. <laughs> Who's their next most serious candidate? Kamala Harris. Who's their next most serious candidate? Newsom. De- Gavin Newsom. Newsom. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Kathy Hochul. And then you've got Gretchen Whitmer out of Michigan. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, they're all completely just whack job lunatics. So the good news, at least for us, is that we have this embarrassment of riches. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I wouldn't count uh, Chris Christie as part of the embarrassment of riches. But I guess my point, though, is while I don't want there to be this kind of crazy inter-party violence on each other that weakens our candidate. I think it's impressive that we actually have a number of people that are plausible candidates. And that's a good sign. I think it shows that when you believe that not all the power should be in Washington, that's why we have several governors who make credible candidates, for example. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, senators as well and so forth. So I guess what I'm what I really as I feel like this shows that we have a healthy party because we don't just have only one person who's plausible. I think we do have I do think that we have one person who clearly has done the job before, and so you don't have to extrapolate very, very far to ask yourself, right? How can he? How will he handle things on the world stage? Will and he then we have another guy, another economy rolling again. Then we uh, have another guy that was a member of the House of Representatives. He was a governor of a state, and he was vice president, and that'd be Mike Pence. Yeah, I mean that's some. That's some. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, a pretty good resume right there. Yeah. Uh, then we've got other governors. We got Nikki Haley. I mean, she's not my cup of tea. I mean, she became a a, a big disappointment to me, especially when you look at the knives and in in Donald Trump's back. And some of them have Nikki Haley's fingerprints on them. Then yeah. um, the I, I cannot pronounce this guy's name. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the tech guy? 
Yeah, what, what's his name? Do you, I forget how to say I'm like you. I can't say it, but um, I know you're talking about it. And I agree. I, I, I mean, he's an, when I hear him talk, I think that's pretty impressive. And I, I appreciate that. So that all I'm really getting at there is that doesn't mean that I'm not sure who I want to support. What it really just gets down to is it shows that the party's healthy. Mm-hmm. And for those who said things like, oh, Donald Trump's ruining the party, I'm like, really, that's interesting because we have a, a whole variety of people who are plausible, and that would suggest a healthy, strong, vibrant party. And what I also find interesting is most of them are running what I would call carefully. And what I mean by that is most of them do not seem interested in savaging each other. Chris Christie does want to, of course. But most of them seem willing to understand that they should just have a discussion about the the issues and let the voters decide. And in the end, we, we're going to have to be united. It's one of the things I, I one of the things I liked about what Tim Scott said was that exact point was he made it clear. I have no interest in attacking Donald Trump. His answer wasn't, well, I'm afraid of him. His answer was this nation needs to beat Joe Biden. And if we savage each other, all we do is help Joe Biden. And so I hope that others feel that way too. We don't know Chris Christie doesn't, but I have to ask anybody who says, like someone tells me, I'll only support my guy, you know, whoever, or my gal, whoever that is. Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? So if your person doesn't win the nomination, you're going to end up helping Joe Biden get four more years. Yikes. That means you hate America. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? I, if you're voting for Joe Biden, you're either dumb as grass or you hate America. There is another Democrat. There is another Democrat. You mentioned three. You mentioned Joe Biden. You mentioned Kamala Harris. You mentioned Gavin Newsom. Well, RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., rising profile sparks Democrat jitters. Yeah. Uh, it, he's looking like an alternative. He is. That's what's interesting, because he announced and he immediately jumped to about 20 percent, just mm. like the day the day he said he was going to run. He didn't really have a big event or anything. He just kind of announced he was going to run online, as I recall. I don't recall. Well, and then it slowly Biden. increased a little bit here and there, uh, depending on who's doing the polling. But what I think it's amazing is if you listen to, to uh, RFK Jr. talk, Uh, He's not pro-life, so I'm not suggesting that any Republicans need to vote for him. But on a whole host of issues, he's not your normal leftist Democrat. He's much more in line with the way his uh, uncle was and the way his father was, which was they were more old school Democrats. And so he, for example, has said he he supports the Second Amendment. He's talked about climate change being used by people to get more power in government and dictate the details of people's lives. I agree 100% with both those positions. I don't think Joe Biden and I would agree on what day of the week it is. And so it's, and it also strikes me as very healthy. If he were to win the nomination for his party, he could return our nation to what I would call a healthy political environment. What I mean is, In America, we didn't used to debate whether or not men were men and women were women. We didn't debate if the First Amendment was a good idea. (laughs) We didn't debate those things. We debated on, you know, should the tax rate be 13% or 19%? And that's a fair debate. I mean, I have my own views that it should be as low as possible. But the point is, 
we used to be a country that, that you know would debate, well, how high should tariffs be or should we have tariffs? That's a fair debate. But why the heck are we debating things like, is the, is the Constitution a good idea? Is the First Amendment, is free speech good or bad? Mm-hmm. Should we have the rule of law in America? Should criminals be punished for their criminal activity? And and what I'm hearing from someone like him is at least we don't have to debate some of the crazy stuff. He's right. not a crazy lunatic. He's obviously a liberal, but but he's not a crazy lunatic liberal. When Ronald Reagan was pre- president, there were quote the Reagan Democrats. And well, they could found it- some reason to vote for and with and support him. And what I I, I don't see a lot of that of evidence of that anymore though. I mean, it seems like that's a brand that doesn't exist. Well, you and know, George, Bobby we've had Kennedy Jr. could bring it back to where we, we could be sane again. George, we've had discussions. If a John F. Kennedy could win his party's nomination. Oh, I don't think so, he could. So, well, with with the whacked out left that's leading the Democrat Party by the nose. Could a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. get the nomination? I think he might be a last resort, meaning I think they, if Biden's health continues to decline and they get to a point or, or let's assume maybe they get to uh, New Hampshire and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wins in New Hampshire because New Hampshire is a state that's not always that liberal. It's a little different kind of a state and you right. get some odd results there sometimes compared to say the national trends. Well, I don't the mean that they're New odd. Hampshire, the winner of New Hampshire, it's not automatic. You're going to get the nomination if you win New Hampshire. We've no, had I agree. a lot of examples of, of candidates that, that yeah. won the Iowa caucus, won New Hampshire, and went nowhere after that. No, you're right. I mean, remember Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I mean, he was looking dead in the water until he got to South Carolina. Right. Yeah, he lost that? everything. No, you're exactly right. But I'm, I'm kind point. of looking at what happened to Johnson. Johnson uh, was president and he went up to New Hampshire and and got beat or had a poor showing. And and so all of a sudden he kind of saw the handwriting on the wall and he decided to not run. And then they ended up picking Hubert Humphrey to take his place. So I'm part of me says that's at least plausible that it could happen again. And and. I think New Hampshire is a state where maybe Robert F. Kennedy Jr. could do well. But the reality is I don't see him doing well across the board because he's not liberal enough. That party's become the party of leftist lunatics. And again, this is not an endorsement. I'm not voting for him. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying he's more of an old school liberal Democrat, not a raving lunatic kook. Like if you ask Robert F. Kennedy Jr., can you define for me what a woman is? I bet you he can. If you I ask think he him, better. What's he got? Like ten kids? Important. He will say yes. It is. No, it was his parents that had like ten kids. So I don't know how many how many kids. I I, I don't know a lot about Robert F. Kennedy's yeah. uh, background, personal background. I'll check that out on a break. Hey, yeah. speaking of break, George, let's get one in here. On the other side, I'm going to ask you to tell tell our listeners and viewers who are lone guesses for day and kind of the topics for our conversations. But you are listening to and watching the Conservative Commandos. I'm Rick Trader. My co-host is George Landreth, and we are coming to you from the 
My Pillow Studios, the Maestro Studios of the AUN TV network. Today's show, like every single one of them, is being brought to you by the First Amendment, protected by the Second. George is supposed to remind me to say that. <laughs> anyway, I think that you support the First Amendment. Way to go. <laughs> That's a good thing. We'll be right back. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Dog whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited and once they're gone, they're gone. To order, please call 800-797-7893 and use the promotion code AUNTV. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNTV again. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNTV. And welcome back. Welcome back to the Conservative Commandos radio show with George Landreth and yours truly, Rick Trader, coming to you from the MyPillow Studios, the MyStore Studios of the AUN TV network. And go to MyPillow.com and check out MyPillow 2.0. You know, for years and forever, there's been this debate about the cool side of the pillow. Well, guess what? With MyPillow.com, MyPillow 2.0, both sides are cool. Both sides of the pool, uh, pillar are, are cool. And right now they're having a buy one, get one free. And the way you get take advantage of that offer is by using the promotion code AUNTV. That's A-U-N-T-V for the buy one, get one free offer. So, George, uh, well, wait, we have... Other, I just got to say, I have the uh, MyPillow 1.0, the yes. old one. Yes. And it is, and I've had it for many years, and it's you can wash it. It's by far the best pillow I've ever had. Usually, after a while, the pillows get matted down, so they may start yeah. off being a good thing, and then after a while, they, they start to feel like, is there a pillow in this pillowcase? Hmm. Not with my pillow. My pillow, this pillow now is probably four years old, and it's still to this day the very best pillow I've ever owned. So heaven help you if you get 2.0, because that means. You're going to have a pillow that's so awesome, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. Well, nice that, could be, to have. that could be bad for the economy, George. <laughs> <laughs> Just think if the entire nation got my pillow 2.0, they'll love their pillows so much they'll never get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, that, that might hurt the economy. <laughs> you make a good point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, George, we got a great guest today. We do. We normally have two great guests, but today uh, we had some snafus, so... Folks are going to have to listen to Rick and I a little more today, but uh, we do have a great guest coming up I'm pretty excited about, and uh, it's uh, Kevin Tober. He is a news analyst and staff writer for Newsbusters at the Media Research Center, 
and we're going to talk with him about what's going on at CNN. Chris Licht, the CEO, was shown the door after having been there for about a year. He was supposedly going to fix everything. He was going to make it more reliable. He was not able to do that, and he's been fired. And I don't know who they're going to, you know, I don't know much about whatever his replacement's going to be, but I can tell you this, it's not going to be someone's going to fix anything. They are, well, they're going to change names on the doors of offices, but nothing else is going to change because they're committed to being left-wing lunatics. And But I think it'll be a great conversation with Kevin on that topic. Kind of, kind of reminds me of about, any big city. You know, George, is, as long as they keep voting for Democrats in office, nothing's going to change. But anyway. No, you're right. And then... Um, and then not so that CNN doesn't get all the uh, discussion, we're going to talk a little bit about Chuck Todd and the fact that he's now leaving Meet the Press. It was announced that he's being replaced. I don't know they they named the replacement, but uh, he's getting ready to leave. Bottom line is he's on his way out the door mm. and another Great. leftist lunatic. But uh, this Bring is the... Bring back Tim Russert. Pardon me? <laughs> Bring back Tim Russert. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, what happened? You know, that was back when, I mean, he was a liberal, but he was trying to be a fair liberal. And he was, you know, he would, for example, would meet with uh, Brent Bozell and talk to Brent Bozell about things like the bias in the media. And he would listen and thank him for his input. And then Brent said he would, he could see that some of that had helped, you know, he would try to do better. And then, well, if we have time, we'll wrap up with, Jen Psaki, who I used to think was the worst White House spokesperson I had ever seen. And she was the worst I had ever seen <laughs> until Karen Jean-Pierre came along. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how good we had it with Jen Psaki because Jen Psaki was awful, but not she's you know not on the par with it. But anyhow, but she's now working at one of the, I think it's MSNBC, and of course, talked about how you know Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are hostage takers, mm. and it's like, okay, so the President of the United States has a bill that's passed months ago, refuses to talk with anybody about it, says he won't negotiate, but it's the Republicans that are the problem. Okay, I got gotcha. you. You're just a lunatic. <laughs> I wish somebody would... Um... Uh, take Kevin McCarthy as as a hostage. Hey, you know, George, yesterday in a conservative commander's radio show, we had a conversation with our friend Frank Vernuccio. Mm -hmm. And Frank and I have had a bromance for a number, number of years. And we started talking, I wanted to get your take on this. <clears throat> we were talking about Kevin McCarthy and this deal on the budget. And what Frank said, um, he thought that Kevin McCarthy had had done a pretty good job on this. He says, you know, the polls say for the very first time when the country was facing a shutdown, this is the first time ever the polls favored the Republicans. In other words, the polls were saying that if the government shuts down, it would be the Democrats' fault. And mm -hmm. usually the polls are just the opposite. Right. And uh, Frank said that, oh, Kevin McCarthy did a, did a, did a pretty good job. And my argument with, with uh, Frank Vernuccio was, well, if the polls were that way, why didn't McCarthy get more concessions? 
You know, both sides read the polls. Both mm -hmm. Democrats and Republicans, they read the polls. God knows uh, every John Boehner read the polls. You know, every every speaker of the House read the polls and and uh, Mitch McConnell reads the polls. Why couldn't Kevin McCarthy read the polls and hold up? All right, you want to call him a hostage taker? Why didn't he get more concessions out of Joe O'Biden cutting the serious, serious cuts, making serious Yeah, I would have liked to see more concessions. And I think that we were plausibly, uh, we could have gotten them. I also understand what Frank's saying in general, which is that there were those who said that everything about the deal was a complete loss. Uh, there was nothing in this bill for us. That's not true either. Uh, th there were certain concessions that were helpful and that were worthwhile, and I'm glad he fought for those. But I feel like he should have fought for more and could have fought for more, in my view. So I'm not going to give him an F, mm -hmm. but I'm also not going to give him an A plus. You know what I mean? I would give him like a D minus. I don't know, George. You know, you might know more about this uh, budget deal than I, but I don't see, I don't see a lot of good here. I really don't see a, a lot of good. Oh, they say, all right, we're going to have a, a work a work requirement to get uh, food aid. But did you hear what that work requirement was, George? Anybody from 55 to 60, all right, has, has to be able, has to go to work to get this uh, food, re, uh, food program. That's no concession, George. Yeah, that's you know, a you, pretty weak concession. Uh, hello? Yeah. Read the bill. It's in the bill. That's the food concession. Uh, that's the uh, uh, the work to, get, to give food. Crazy to be from 50 to 55. You got to be anyone 50 to 55 has to. There's a work requirement to be in, in the food program. That's no, that's no concession, George. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that, that's kind of weak stuff. Um, it's weak sauce, but there's some things in it that are worthwhile, but the reality is I feel like... Well, maybe this well, is the end of romance between you and I, George. What do you think was worthwhile? Well... What do you tell me, educate me, George. I need well, an Well, I'm not saying that he should get a good grade for it. I've, I've, I'm not going to give him an F, but I could give him a C- minus or a D or something like that. I feel like he could have gotten more, but at the same time... I think that there are not that we're we're spending so much more that saving two trillion dollars over the course of a number of years. That's helpful, but not real helpful because it's kind of like if, if you've been uh, overcharging, extending your charge card to the point where you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, reducing your spending by you know a couple thousand dollars here or there may not actually fix the problem. So there, I like I said, I felt like there were some principles that he argued for and got that were helpful, but I felt like the implementation of many of them was a bit weak. And so I'm not going to argue with you about like, oh, I think he deserves major kudos. At the same time, I don't think it was, like I said, the worst thing in the world, because the worst thing in the world would have been to give Joe O'Biden what he wanted, which was a clean debt bill. And Thankfully, we didn't do that, but I would have liked to seen because I feel like we had a lot more opportunity. And some said, well, like people said, well, there wasn't much time. He had to move quickly. Because well, George, 
but th that that deadline of J of June fifth was always made up. That wasn't yeah. a real deadline. I've talked to yeah. people who are actually experts on government funding and so forth, and they they said basically it would have easily been fine through August at some point. And, so and George, it was the Biden you know, administration that gave us that deadline. And that's because they wanted to put pressure on us so we couldn't negotiate a better deal. George, when McCarthy was elected speaker, there was a deal made for him to get the votes that if a single member of the House of Representatives called for a new vote on speaker, it would happen. Uh, you remember the 20, the 20 uh, conservative Republicans that held mm -hmm. up his, uh, I think one of them is going to call for uh, a, a no vote on the speaker? I don't know. Um, they might, but I think um, on a practical level, <clears throat> the question isn't just, are you happy with them or unhappy with them? The question is, what are your other options, you know, and who's going to fill that position and so forth? And I just don't know the answer to that. What I don't want to see happen is Republicans spend the next three months arguing among themselves as to who the new speaker should be and not arguing with Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats in Congress. So I've kind of felt like the best we're going to get out of uh, Kevin McCarthy is kind of a passing grade, but not anything to write home about. And that's disappointing to me. Me too. But um, but at the same time, I, I don't know what the other options are, because, for example, I remember we got rid of Boehner. We thought that, uh, you know, everyone was excited that it was going to be. What's his name? Tim Ryan. Yeah, t yeah, not Tim. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, Paul Ryan's me. Great. And I remember thinking Paul Ryan would be good, too. And he was a huge disappointment. One of the worst speakers we've had. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my point is. I just want to be sure that we have an, an upgrade, because if we do what we did in that instance, people are mad at Boehner. And I understand being mad at Boehner. I understand why they were upset with Boehner. I'm not saying they were wrong to be upset with Boehner. I'm just saying things didn't get better because we got rid of Boehner. It got worse. We went from the frying pan to the fire. And so I don't want to do that again, particularly with Joe Biden in the in office. That could be catastrophic. So I, all I really want to do is just be sure that we're not just angry and then we get something horrible, if that makes sense. What I want us to do is we either improve our situation or we make the best of what we got right now so we can survive, because these next two years are going to be really rough with Joe Biden in office. Mm -hmm. By the way, Georgers, uh, are you getting smoke down there in Virginia? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, you know, they, they, it's amazing that baseball games in New York, the New York Yankees baseball game was postponed by the smoke. The Philadelphia yeah. Phillies game in Philadelphia, that was also postponed by, by uh, smoke. Gee. Today, they said that the air quality in, in the D.C. area was in the red zone, which is the, you know, dangerous. And as and I heard a guy on a doctor on some radio show saying that uh, spending the day outside, that you'd be better off staying in your house and smoking all day. Hmm. Why well, was outside all day and up to the point where Sharon and I uh, did a show? But, uh, you know, it was it was it was really an interesting day. It was beautiful. It was clear. Uh, it was breezy. And um, I went out a little later and it it looked like it was totally overcast, but it was just a haze and smoke, you know? Yeah, that's that's where we were. We I mean, 
the sky was still blue, but it had this kind of brown haze over it that was kind of weird. And it cast a pall on things. It was kind of like, it didn't feel like 12 noon. Yeah, well, here. The sun wasn't bright enough to be 12 noon. Here, it was almost like a cloudy day, but it wasn't cloudy because right. through the haze and the smoke, you could see this orange ball. Yeah. And it was the sun. It was right. a very interesting. Yeah, similar thing. to here. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't decide to smoke six cigarettes today, to, you know, but but I think it's kind of amazing that and and these fires that occur, uh, the White House tried to claim that it was about, uh, you know, climate change, which that's oh, a complete sure. lie. That, sure. A, there is no climate change. They're lying. And then secondly, it's the environmental left that causes these fires because they refuse to allow us to manage our forests. You can, you know, by removing, for example, down trees, leaving all the fuel on the ground means when a fire starts, it burns uncontrollably mm-hmm. and spreads uncontrollably. Whereas a fire naturally will want to burn out because trees aren't dry wood. They're wet wood, they're green wood. But when you have the forest floor covered with, you know, littered with dry wood because you've never bothered to get rid of the dying trees, then guess what? you have the kindling to to light up the green trees right and so um, this happens in california all the time because they refuse and it's just it's amazing to me the left can cause a problem it's a hundred percent their fault and then they manage to tell you some crazy story it's the boogeyman or it's climate change and it's like um i'm sorry but you're not going to divert our attention and yet some people get diverted well, George, let's get a break in and yep. get on to our guest. We're going to have Kevin Tobar. He's a news analyst and staff writer with Newsbusters, part of the Media Research Center. We're going to hopefully talk about CNN and Chris Light, Chuck Todd leaving Meet the Press, and Jim Pazaki comparing Kevin McCarthy to a hostage taker. I don't give him that much credit. And you are listening to and watching the Conservative Commandos radio show with George Landreth and Rick Trader. Go nowhere, George, and I'll be back with our guests right after this break. Hey there, travelers. You going somewhere? Need a hotel? Then call Hotel Wiz anytime, day or night for rates too low to publish. You can save up to 75% on over 500,000 hotels across the globe and get our best price guarantee with no booking or cancellation fees ever. We've got some of the lowest hotel prices you'll find in New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and a lot more. Don't waste your time surfing for deals. Make a free call right now and find deals too low to publish. Save up to 75% right now with no cancellation fees. And to make it even easier on you, we're here 24-7 to help. So call right now. Bookmark us in your cell phone. Whatever you need to do, just pick up the phone and call this number for hotel deals that'll knock your socks off. Call 701-317-9936. That's 701-317-9936. 701-317-9936. That's 701-317-9936. Hey travelers, everybody wants cheap airfares, but where can you find them? You call SmartFares. Our prices are direct from the airlines and they're so low they're not published anywhere. SmartFares specializes in cheap flights, discount hotel rooms, cheap car rentals, and great package deals anywhere around the world. Wherever you want to go, SmartFares can help you get there cheaply and with the best price guarantee. 
If you want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets or other travel services, call us right now. That's right, call. That's the only way to get these low rates. Experts are standing by 24-7 to get you the lowest rates available. So don't wait. Call SmartFares right now for the best price guaranteed. Save up to 50% off business and first class. We've got great last-minute travel deals too. Call 802-424-3060. 802-424-3060. That's 802-424-3060. Do you use Viagra or Cialis? Have you been thinking about trying Viagra or Cialis? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 or more a pill for Viagra, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pill delivers the exact same results for less than $3. We'll do the math for you. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. Want more? We'll give you 40 blue pills or 40 yellow pills for $99 and add four more pills free. You save more than $500. Stop overpaying for expensive prescriptions. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what to do next. You need to call now and get your 44 pills for just $99. Stop overpaying for Viagra. Call us anytime, day or night, and start saving big money for the exact same results. Have your credit card ready. Ordering is fast and easy, with your pills delivered to your door in a non-marked package. Call now. To order, call now. 855-766-0018. Welcome back to the Conservative Commandos. I'm glad you stuck around because we're the part of the show where we have our guests. And as I like to remind you, we consistently have the very best guests on TV and radio. And we have Kevin Tober here to prove it. And he is from the MRC, the Media Research Center. He's a news analyst and a staff writer there. And I don't know if he's been able to negotiate this into his contract, but if he's a news analyst, that means he has to watch things like CNN sometimes, um, MSNBC sometimes. And so I'm thinking to myself, he should get hazard pay for that. (laughs) But anyhow, thank you for joining us, Kevin. It is great to have you on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What What's on your radar screen? There's lots going on. I know that uh, you guys I mentioned CNN. You guys obviously, are they something that this week is in the news for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say that they're definitely in the news today uh, with the ouster of Chris Licht as a CEO of CNN, as well as a few of his, his, his executives who have been, also been ousted. Um, I think this was a long time coming. This was bound to happen from the start. Um, From the very beginning, he never ousted any of Zucker's former stooges who have no interest in changing the way CNN functions and turning into an actual legitimate news outlet. Uh, Instead, they just want to be, you know, propagandists for the left. And that's not what Zucker, um, that's not what Chris Flick wanted. That's what Zucker wanted. Um, So there was just, it was doomed, bound uh, to stop this from the start, as well as, of course, when he made some changes uh, to the program lineup, uh, the their morning show, which was I always laugh when I when I talk when I think about it, they put Don Lemon from primetime at uh, ten o'clock at night to back to the morning with Caitlin Collins as well as Poppy Harlow. And of course, if you recall, there's a lot was a lot of drama with that. 
the three of them fighting behind the scenes. That was a disaster. And then, of course, the ratings never improved improved at all. They were consistently in third place uh, behind both Fox News and MSNBC. And then they just never moved to the center like Licht wanted to. And he claimed he wanted to. And then there was a, a conference call that they had. And Licht apologized for everything that went on. And I, I think this is actually a funny line that the inmates run the asylum at CNN and they threw him out. It's very interesting because I'm old enough to remember when CNN was the only cable news network, and I remember watching it. Um, I think it was after when the Russians shot down the Korean airliner back. This would be when Ronald Reagan was president. This is quite yeah. a while ago. It's like '83, I believe. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, that sounds about right. '83, yeah. maybe '84. I, I forget exactly, but yeah, that time frame. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting is. It was a serious news organization then. I mean, I was a, I've always been a conservative. And if they'd been some left wing whack job news coverage, I would have bailed on them and said, never mind, I don't need this. But at the time, they were more straight news. And they may have been somewhat biased in the sense that there was some subtlety. I mean, example, if they were going to talk about one of the conservative senators, they might have called him, you know, the ultra conservative senator, blah, blah, blah. And they would never, of course, call Ted Kennedy the ultra-liberal senator. No. But that doesn't mean the rest of the coverage was completely false. It just means that it's a bias, and bias is subtle. Like, I, for example, it would be wrong to suggest that Hitler was biased against Jews. There was nothing subtle about, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he was a murderous thug, and he killed six million or more. And that's not bias. It's a lot worse than that. And I would kind of argue that bias is, there's a certain subtlety to bias. And I remember the Media Research Center would uh, study that bias and they would do a statistical analysis of the very things I was just talking about. And they'd point out that, well, they're biased. And now I, when I hear stories of what you do, it's not that you're pointing out how often they use the word ultra liberal or conservative. It's yeah. more like how they refused to cover topics. You know, they had zero minutes of coverage of this thing, but 120 minutes of coverage on this thing and stuff like that. And so it's it's far less, like I said, subtle. And so your job used to be this kind of, you know, subtlety uh, of dis distinguishing what they were doing and how they're covering the news. And yeah. now basically what you're covering is the fact that these people are lying sacks of writing fecal matter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, again, uh, nowadays it is a lot more of the what we call bias by commission where it's outright bias where, you know, you got like Joy Reid calling Republicans racist and white supremacists and so forth. Um, with the networks, the ABC uh, evening, uh, ABC World News Tonight, CBS Evening News, NBC Nightly News, and as well as their morning counterparts, that is still biased by omission where it's what they ignore, not so much how they cover. I mean, there's still spin, there's still the, the, the tone of their voice and how they frame things. But uh, yeah, with MSNBC and CNN is still very much outright bias where they are name calling and being objectively completely outrageous in their bias. But yeah, the, yeah, CNN back in the day, I would argue that they were, they were still biased, but they're not biased like they are now. Right. You know, the, the media's it's always had a bias. Than... Yeah, back then it was more of the, you know, what aren't they covering? What are they ignoring? What are, what kind of stories are they? you know, not covering and in framing a different way. And, and, you know, back then that's, that was more CNN, 
but now it's just they are just out of their minds. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, they're a propaganda wing of of the left in America now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think they used to give them an advantage. Now they covered things, but they weren't strictly speaking totally propaganda. And what I mean by that is, chances are their story would cover some of the unpleasant facts for the left, meaning it wasn't what the left wanted presented. But they would do it in a way that kind of minimized it. But if you were listening carefully, you actually got the basic facts and the basic gist of the story because they weren't lying flat out. I mean, for example, I think that the Hunter laptop story being totally ignored and denied and that it was some you know crazy cabal of of rush disinformation would have never flown with the C with CNN of 1983. No, definitely not. I think, yeah, again, not only do they not cover it, as, but when they did mention it, they just called it a conspiracy theory, like Brian Stelter called it and some others. And, you know, it's a right-wing conspiracy theory or a right-wing obsession. That That's normally the, the kind of language that they use to dismiss it. So when they do cover it, um, they kind of cover their tracks and say, oh, yeah, you you know, for, to the audience, the, oh, yeah, any of this, any of this Russia... Um, you know, collusion stuff or the Hunter Biden laptop, it's all Russian conspiracy. And, you know, anything you heard about it is just a right wing lie. So that's how they that's how they operate. It's very interesting. I wanted to ask you what you think the likely outcome is, because sometimes like, you know, a football team has, you know, several losing years in a row and they change coaches and they bring in a new coach and hopefully have high expectations that new coach can do a better job. So my yeah. question is, is CNN going to just change the deck chairs on the Titanic? Or is there going to actually be a shakeup? Are they going to do things differently? And they're going to try to go back to being a serious news organization? Or are they just going to persist and say, nope, we're going to ride this hobby horse over the cliff? And, uh, you know, what's your prediction? No, I, I think they're just going to keep riding off the cliff. I mean, they, they're, I think they're just too far gone. And I think a great quote is what our uh, founder and president Brett Bozell tweeted out today. He said they can keep changing a CEO every single week if they want, but if they don't know the difference between actual news and Democrat party propaganda, they should just forget about it. And the whole network should just burn to the ground. Um, theoretically, of course, not literally. Um, no, we don't want anyone to yeah, get hurt. No, you're but, not calling for violence, but you're no. just pointing out. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, understand what you're saying. Yeah, so, yeah, obviously. But they are, they're in the process of, I mean, the sad thing is, they're committing act of arson. I mean, they're, they're basically destroying the company and have been in a slow yeah. burn now yep. for, you know, at least two decades. Yeah, and that's what Brent Bozell and I meant. Yeah, it's obviously rhetorically speaking, yeah. which is what they're doing right now. So it's not really you know, anything new that we're calling for. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's what they're doing. They are literally, you know, destroying their network and any reputation that they had there, it's it's gone. It's, uh, I'd say it's sad in a way. You don't never want, you know, kind of, you know, once again, like, like we talked about, CNN actually had somewhat of a good reputation back in the 80s and early 90s. You know, remember they were all over the Gulf War back yeah. in 90, 91. Yeah, I remember covering, watching the coverage with them. They, you know, Schwarzkopf would do his daily briefings. And and my sense of the coverage was that it wasn't horrible. Not like today. I mean, I'm not saying it was free of, of any bias, but it was, you, you could watch it and get some decent information out of them. Yeah, but now it's just. Yeah, you're wasting your time. Yeah, you're wasting your time. It's just propaganda 24-7. And yeah. I, I watch it because I have to, and I watch it because I want to provide a public service to the you know, American people and the readers out there about what they're report or what they're not reporting and how they're reporting what they are. 
and it's just propaganda and they they smear republicans and they prop up their democrat friends and that's that and uh yeah yeah well that makes sense i'm it's kind of sad that that's how blind they are because in general you'd think that the slow burn that's been occurring would motivate change you know like i would kind of assume that the leadership at target and leadership at bud light might say yeah let's not do that uh, crazy stuff anymore Let's not chase off our clientele yeah. and make them resentful because it's cost us way too much money. That doesn't mean that they're now more sane. It doesn't mean that they've decided not to be so kind of like weird in their views. It's just at some point, survival suggests that maybe you would do things differently. But I think you're probably right. I kind of feel like the people at CNN aren't smart enough to do that. They basically are prepared just to burn the thing to the ground. No, they're ideologues. The, they, they're ideologues. They they don't care. They they see as you know, and you know, Brian Stelter today um and um yeah, Brian Stelter and a few of the others were like, Oh yeah, CNN, you know, they care about facts and you know, regardless of where it lies. I'm like, No, you don't care about facts. <laughs> I mean Yeah, no, that's not how this works. And yeah, so again, uh, like I said earlier, before there, if there for there to be any change at all, there had to have been an ouster of all the old Zucker's uh, people, all his loyalists. And, uh, you know, they obviously they got rid of Brian Stelter. He was a Zucker loyalist. But Brian Stelter would just be a loyalist to whoever is going to pay him. He isn't. He has no principles at all. Um, but, yeah, you just can't have someone come in from the top and then not change any of the people who are just loyal to the old regime and expect there to be any changes. And there was just an outcry um, from the left of people in that network. And that's when Chris Licht was shown the door. And yeah, uh, yeah so that's, it's, there's not gonna be any changes. And again, it's, this, is the, this is the media, unfortunately, that they're just, they're so in their bubbles between New York and Washington DC and Los Angeles, and they don't see the other views from the other, you know, half of the country out in the, you know, real America out in the flyover states and whatnot. And, you know, so that's that's that. Yeah, that's kind of stunning because, again, I, you'd kind of assume that the financial interest in the f fleeing viewership would wake them up. Because for most people, their desire to be financially successful is stronger than these other desires. But it seems like these people kind of just don't care. They really are. Cra crazy lunatics and and so they'll destroy a once respected news organization on the theory that well, yeah we'd like to we're we're good socialists you know we're good communists we want to make sure we support the party yeah i mean i would say the another thing is i think there was back a, a few years ago i think they were trying to so back when cnn was somewhat legitimate i would say up until the early mid 2000s I think they started when MSNBC came along. Because remember, MSNBC came along the same time as Fox News. Mm -hmm. uh, they were both in 96. And so I think, well, I mean, MSNBC was a few months before, so they're a few months older than Fox. But I think that CNN saw that. It was like, oh, because obviously their audience was always more left-leaning because Fox News came along. Anyone who was right-leaning who was watching CNN just went to Fox. So I think CNN was like, Oh, we got MSNBC to our left. We got Fox to our right. So I think they wanted to compete with C with MSNBC. CNN did, and mm -hmm. they wanted to try to take 
MSNBC's audience, and I think that's what they're still trying to do. They're trying to out MSNBC, MSNBC, and that you can't out crazy someone who's a complete lunatic, and that's what MSNBC are. Um, everyone on that network, from Rachel Maddow to Lawrence O'Donnell to Joy Reid. I mean, how can you be more insane than Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow? That's a good uh, question. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's when they abandon wholesale their any obje objectivity that they had. That's yeah. That's when they decide, all right, we're gonna go far out left and we're gonna try to take MSNBC's audience. And that's you know, it's this kind of thing. Like, okay, well, if you're a radical leftist, why are you gonna watch CNN? We can just get the real thing on MSNBC. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it. That's a fair point. Well. Amazing to see, because usually when you change leadership, it means they're going to change things. But it sounds to me like they literally are changing the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, that's a good place for to take a quick break. We've got to take care of a little business. But after the break, I know there's more to get into because the media keeps you guys busy. It's uh, it's called job security, right? The crazy leftist media. <laughs> yeah, it's. So anyhow, folks, don't go away because the conservative commandos will be right back. I'm George Landreth. Our guest, Kevin Tober, with the Media Research Center and Newsbusters. We will be right back. There's lots more to discuss. I can promise you that. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear, dog Whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. To order, please call 800-797-7893 and use the promotion code AUNTV. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNTV. Again, that's 800-797-7893 and AUNTV. Welcome back to the Conservative Commandos. I'm glad you stuck around. We've been having a great conversation with Kevin Tober. He is a news analyst and staff writer at with Newsbusters and the Media Research Center. And we started off talking about the shakeup at CNN. Turns out it's not actually a shakeup. It's just a change for change's sake, but they won't actually change anything. Just the names will change. In other words, we're going to put new name tags on the door but we won't do anything any different. I thought that was kind of very interesting, but I think he's right about that. I don't think that uh, whether you're Fox News or News uh, Newsmax or AON or any of the other kind of, you know, conservative organizations that are, you know, on the, on the cable news, they'll have nothing to fear from CNN. <laughs> they'll continue to be the left-wing lunatics that they are. But um, I also wanted to just get into some of the other news folks, you know, your more traditional, if you will, legacy media, because they can be pretty crazy too. And 
I'm kind of puzzled by the fact that every big person they have there has very strong ties to ultra leftists. What are the chances that someone like a former Republican White House spokesperson might be hired by them to run a show? They might used to have done that, but not in today's world. So I want to ask you if there's anything going on with some of our, you know, our ABCs, NBCs, CBSs of the world, the so-called legacy media. Yeah, I mean, the big news from the weekend was Chuck Todd is uh, stepping down from Meet the Press. It's going to be uh, starting in September. He's going to be past uh, what he called the passing the baton, the left wing baton to uh, Kristen Welker, who is the current White House correspondent. So she'll be moving into that anchor chair. And uh, yes, yeah, so that's going to happen this, in September. And so Chuck Todd, we have uh, a few more months of uh, kicking Chuck Todd around um, on, on Newsbusters. So we get to enjoy him for a little bit. Um, Does he we'll say see. what he's going to do? So, yeah, so he, he claims that he's has to step aside for family reasons to spend more time with his family, which is, I think, is a common phrase that people use an excuse. You know, hear politicians all the time using that. Oh, yeah. Um, if I had to guess, I think Chatad is being also being shown the door, much like uh, Chris Liptis, as we discussed earlier. I think it's more of a corporate uh, diversity push where they want to show um, Chatad out um, and put a, a younger uh, woman of color in. Um, uh. I, know, I know we're not supposed to, you know, see race in this country, but which we're not. But that's what the left does. They they you know they want to you know staff the place like Noah's Ark. Um, so I think that's that's a big thing that they're doing. I think they're pushing that. And then I think one of the funniest moments from Sunday, and Chutta announced this at the end of his show. So here in the D.C. area where um, MRC is located, um, Ch- uh, Meet the Press doesn't air until 10. Um, so like 10.55 is when this announced, uh, Chutta announced this. But this came out, this was... You know, it's aired on a delay. Uh, Meet the press is only usually on at nine in most areas, so there was this news already broke by the time we saw it. Um, so I was able to have it written up before he actually said it um, on air, um, at least in the D.C. area. It was, again, it's on delay. And Chuck Todd announced um, that he was leaving, and he said that we do not tolerate propagandists on Meet the Press or NBC, and we never will. <laughs> Which, of course, got laughs, you know, from see the shining sea and any sane, mm-hmm. rational person knows that Chuck Todd is is a propagandist himself. And he uh, tolerates Democrat Party propagandists from, yeah. you know, every single day um, that he's on the air. And, uh, you know, he, you know, cut, uh, coddles up to them and then he uh, screams and yells and argues with uh, conservatives or Republicans who go on his show. And so I think that was I thought that was really amusing. I think that's just. You know, Chuck Todd, he's just arrogant from beginning to end. And to the very last moment, he decided to preach to his dwindling audience that uh, he's not propaganda. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because I can remember there was a time when shows like Meet the Press or Meet the Depressed and these news shows on the various Sunday morning news shows, kind of the week in review type political shows. Yeah. Were interesting and had an element of realness to them. Again, going back to maybe 1983 or something, I don't know how far back you go, but the point is the media used to be 
like I said, biased, but it was a subtle bias. Mm-hmm. There's no subtlety anymore to their bias. No, it's, not at all. It's just the crazy leftist garbage. And I and I kind of wonder what in the world is going on and how is this possible? And I kind of am puzzled because it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, I understand when they tried it out. In other words, hey, I got a great idea. Let's uh, promote all of our crazy whack job friends and their stupid liberal garbage. But once you start losing ratings and losing shows and not doing well and having a problem and, you know, everyone you know is getting fired or laid off. And, you know, at some point you kind of wonder, hmm, maybe we should rethink this. I don't know. It just strikes me as maybe it would be... um, just on a pragmatic level. And I'm I'm kind of, I have to be honest, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that they haven't been willing to temper some of the lunacy because you just think that having a good job that pays a handsome salary would be more important than just lying through your teeth constantly. But they're so committed to their lies that it's not that way. So I kind of wanted to ask you, um, what's going on? Maybe I'm just have too much of a sense of, people should be normal and re- re- learn from their experience. These guys never seem to learn, though. Yeah. Uh, again, Chuck Todd, I, I, I think you're 100% right with this. And again, Chuck Todd is a Democrat, former Democrat Party staffer. He worked for a former Democrat Iowa senator for the longest yeah, Tom time. Tom Harkin, it, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was Tom Harkin. You're right. Uh, yeah, Tom Harkin. Yep. And then he, um, and then his wife is, to this day, a Democrat Party consultant. So you it's like them hiring, um, I don't know, Carl Rove to go uh, to host and meet the press. Do you think that would ever happen? I, no, not in a million years. Right. And, uh, and they'll have them on shows to be quote an expert on policy from the from the right kind of a thing, and that's fine. But you're right; they would never have him as the primary. He, it's one thing to have him be at the quote conservative guest on a show. But but we're talking about being the headliner for the show, the one who sets the agenda, who asks the questions, who does all the conclusions and stuff. And you're right. There ain't no way that they're going to invite Carl Rove to do that. And I think the example is a good one because he also worked for the presidential campaign of Senator Tom Harkin. It was in 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that year, Bill Clinton won the nomination. Yeah. But Tom Harkin was one of the candidates, and uh, and Chuck Todd worked for him. Or as one of the local uh, conservative talk show hosts here in D.C. calls him Chunk Todd. Yeah, uh, Chris Plant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I was actually uh, going to say earlier when you said normal, I said remember normal. Uh, that's one of other Chris Plant's uh, phrases. And um, no, and it's, it's funny um, if you remember. Um, I mean. Not not many people around obviously were around then, but at the beginning when Meet the Press started, and I did my research on this because I don't think either of us were around. But when Meet the Press started, they had an entire they didn't have just one anchor; they had the entire panel that sitting around the on the table here, and they would have you know presidential candidates like you know John F. Kennedy, Richard Nixon, you know Speaker of the House Tom Rayburn on, and they would like the show's name suggests they would meet the press. There would be an entire panel, and they would be grilled by this panel of reporters. And it was actually, no matter whether it was Republican Richard Nixon or Democrat John F. Kennedy um, or Democrat Senate Majority Leader at the time, Lyndon Johnson, that they would be treated equally. Um, same tough questions. And I even, you know, Tim Russert, it goes as recent as that in the you know, 2000s, 
uh, you know, John Kerry would be, you know, obviously he never admitted this, I'm sure, but, you know, he'd just be just as fearful as, as Tim Russert on Meet the Press of what kind of questions he's going to be asked as, you know, John McCain or so forth. And that's not the thing now at all. Um, you know, do you think any Democrats really afraid of what Chuck Todd's going to ask them? No, absolutely not. It's the Republicans who are. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, because that Tim Russert, um, I think Tim Russert was probably, you know, lean left in his personal politics. Oh, yeah, but, sure. I, but I think he I think he would prided himself on being a fair journalist. And there may have been some bias in that. I understand it's hard to step outside. Like if I were the if I were running the show, if I were running, you know, sitting in for Tim Russert, I'm a conservative and my my bias might show through. But what I wouldn't do is be unfair you know, just like purposefully unfair because bias isn't purposeful unfairness. It's kind of an unconscious, just your viewpoints hard to set aside entirely. And I think it's good to monitor bias. And I, as I understand it, someone like Tim Russert was interested in talking to people like Brent Bozell because he wanted critiques of his work because his goal was to avoid that bias. And so he would listen to someone like a Brent Bozell at the Media Research Center and say, okay, good, okay, good, good point, good point. I'll work on that. Um, you know, there's a zero percent chance that Chuck Todd has ever cared what the Media Research Center says and what its studies show. He, his view is, guys, I'm here to promote leftism. I'm not here to promote the truth. I'm here to promote leftism. Shut up. I don't need your help. You know, it's a very different. It's a very different viewpoint. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we've had, we've had, you know, reporters come to us quietly and say, "Oh, you're being unfair with you." I mean, I've had reporters, you know, um, obviously I can't say who. Um, it's kind of off the record conversation, but they were, you know, many, couple reporters were like, "Oh, you're not being fair in criticism." No, I was 100% being fair. And you know, and that's the thing with newsbusters. We have the full video of in every blog that we write. We have a full video of what they said and and a, a complete transcript at the bottom. Yeah. You know, you could be, you could take issue with our analysis, but we don't take things out of context. We don't, you know, do that. And uh, yeah, they they'll quietly complain to us, but then you know they'll publicly ignore us because you know, that's just what they do. They just they're arrogant. So yeah, I again, yeah, that's that's just what the media is. They're arrogant. They are they're elitist, and they don't really care what the other side thinks. And that's that's that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that that's the way it goes. Um, one of the things I've noticed is um, Jen Psaki, who I, up until the recent K, uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, KJP, um, yep. um, she was probably the most incompetent, worst press secretary I'd ever seen. Now, I admit now that I had no idea how bad it could get. I mean, I think if you were to do a Saturday Night Live skit in which you were trying to be incompetent, it would be hard to be more mindless, more stupid, more feckless than the current spokesperson. Yeah. But um, but Jen Psaki before that new low was, in my mind, the worst ever. But guess what? She gets a job with the major media like she was some success. And I'm thinking to myself, that's crazy because this is the Peter principle in action. In other words, do your last job horribly and we'll promote you to a new job. And that's Jen Psaki. Am I being unfair there? 
No, not at all. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Chuck Todd, where the Democrats, they just they shuffle in and out between uh, Democrat administrations and the media and they go back and forth as a revolving door. Um, that never really happens with Republicans other than, you know, select examples like on Fox, you, you know, you get contributorships or whatnot, which, you know, which is fine. You know, fair enough. Um, but yeah, Jen, Jen Psaki, and you could argue her job really is not all that, all that different. Um, just different parking spot and maybe a higher paying at MSNBC. Her job is just to promote what the Democrat party, promote it. And, uh, she does a interesting job of it. She's always given us material to write about, and she's absurd every single Sunday. Um, her show airs at noon, and uh, this Sunday um, that we're on the topic, you know, she brought up the debt deal, the debt deal between Kevin McCarthy and Joe, uh, Joe Biden, and she compared uh, Kevin McCarthy to a hostage taker. She she complained about the media coverage, which again this is laughable too. And she. She was complaining that Republicans got favorable media coverage, which here at Newsbush, as we can tell you firsthand, is not true at all. So that, again, is laughable on its face. And then number two, she compares Kevin McCarthy to a hostage taker. When it's Joe Biden, if you really want to make that analogy, which I don't really like the analogy necessarily, um, that you know Joe Biden held up this whole entire proceeding for months, I mean, Kevin McCarthy had the plan to raise the debt ceiling, what his, what his, what spending cuts he wanted to initiate and, and so forth. And Joe Biden sat on his hands and with he had uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre go out to the podium every day and uh, incoherently state that Joe Biden would not negotiate on a debt ceiling. I'm just, yeah, I just think it's funny. For three months, the president of the United States refused to even talk about the issue. Yeah. And then you get to the uh, near the deadline and all of a sudden now it's the Republicans who are the problem. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but the last 90 days, that was never a problem just now. Yeah. Now it's a problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, you can't just sit there and say, oh yeah, I'm not going to negotiate. And then when it, you know, at the 11th hour, you, know, you got a week to go. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause what I think what happened is they, they usually, you know, Joe Biden, we saw this with um, the last time this happened under Obama, you see the Republicans cave, and to McCarthy's credit, that he did not cave. Um, I mean, he did on certain on certain priorities and, and issues that we uh, the you know, Republicans wanted, but you know he did not like say, okay, we're all right, fine, we're just going to do a clean debt ceiling. He s stood firm on that, and uh, you know forced uh, Joe Biden's hand to come to the negotiating table. And I think that's what the issue was. Like Joe Biden's like, okay, he's not going to cave. We can't go to the fault because then you know there'd be a bad you know, effect from that. And, uh, you know, I have to be up for re-election next year and I can't have that and uh, force them to the table. And now, you know, there's all these headlines. There are certain headlines, so she was right in a certain regard, but overall the Republicans didn't get favorable coverage. But there were certain certain headlines that said, oh yeah, bipartisan agreement between McCarthy and Biden. And that's, that's what Jen Psaki took issue with. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you had, if you had a guy named Kevin uh, took somebody hostage, took Joe, took a guy named Joe hostage, and then you know Joe gets all these people released, and with and including himself, the media coverage wouldn't be that Kevin and Joe work together to release hostages. It would be, you know, Kevin is holding these people hostage, and so that was her analogy. And again, it's wrong on every level, which is pretty accurate, which is pretty on brand for her, and yeah. she's wrong on everything.
Yeah, I don't think Jen Psaki is particularly bright. So in, in her defense, <laughs> um, I think that the nuances of making meaningful analogies might be on maybe beyond her intellectual capacity, because an analogy is by definition when you compare unlike things and it requires a kind of higher thinking skills strategy to make meaningful, useful analogies. And I don't think she has any of that. So it's, you know, I think basically she veered into a, an area that wasn't really suited to her. <laughs> I'm no, not sure no. that's actually in her defense, but you know what I mean. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> that's her. I mean, that's why she's on MSNBC Network. She just reads a teleprompter and not to think on her feet. And yeah. uh, But kind of go back to cringe and Pierre, if I can, for a second. I mean, mm -hmm. with the Saturday Night Live skit, I, I, I think if you made a Saturday Night Live skit of her, without having her being up there, like say if she didn't exist, you just made it just like her. I don't think it would be believable. I think it would just, that would be no, like- You make a very good point. Part of humor like, is it not, can't be so stupid that it's not plausible. Yeah. You just look at him and go, that's so unrealistic. Because yeah, humor has to at least have an element of truth to it. Yeah, and I see her every day, she gets worse, I feel like, instead of getting better. I, it's just- Yeah, no, I agree with you. I used to watch her and think, okay, well, eventually she'll get a little better because this is horrible. I felt embarrassed for her. And yeah. the funny thing is, she's no better today than she was before. It's she's learned nothing. Nope. But yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's get into what folks can do to follow the work that you and your colleagues are doing at the Media Research Center because you guys do so much. The reality is, we could probably have you on the show literally every day because I I go to your website and I can go to your website and then three hours later go to your website and there's new stuff there and new content and yep. and you don't just have one website so. Fill us in on all the different ways we can connect with the Media Research Center, with Newsbusters, and with Kevin Tober. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first uh, for our sites, uh, newsbusters.org, um, which is for our, our media bias uh, reporting. Um, and you go to centertrack.org for more of the te big tech censorship stories. Um, and obviously, there are different sections of Newsbusters where you can go for free speech uh, issues, you can go for culture. Um, and our MRC Latino site where we report on the bias of the Spanish language media. So that's kind of all under newsbusters.org. And then you go over to MRC TV where we have a lot of fun videos of cultural issues and media bias. Um, so you can go there. Um, those are the two sites and uh, cnsnews.com, which will bring us um, over there as well. And then, um, yeah, so that's those are those sites. Um, you can follow us each of those entities on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and for, as for me, I am found on Twitter at Kevin Tober 94. Fair enough. So Excellent. That's great. Well, thanks for that. Uh, that was really helpful, Kevin. I appreciate the fact that you've helped make our viewers and our listeners have a better understanding of what's going on in the media around them, because I do believe the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, and you've helped our viewers be more vigilant, and that's a good thing. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Absolutely. I'll look forward to the next time. And to our viewers and listeners, don't go away because there's still yet more to come from the conservative commandos. We'll see you right after these messages. I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried my coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence, 
And this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever going to have. It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste, some that leave me jittery, or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. To order, please call 800-797-7893 and use the promotion code AUNDV. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNDV again. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNDV. And welcome back. Welcome back to the Conservative Commandos radio show with George Landreth and yours truly, Rick Trader. Coming to you from the MyPillow Studios, the MyStore Studios of the AUNTV Network. So, George, you know, it's amazing when members of Congress lie to their constituents, lie to the American people. It's not a certainly not uncommon, certainly not unheard of. But now Bill Barr, former attorney general, is confirming that representative Jamie Raskin lied about the Biden family corruption investigation. Yeah, well, and that's interesting because apparently Jamie Raskin is trying to keep up with Adam Schiff. We know Adam Schiff has just been a bald faced liar all throughout, continues to be. The entire Russian collusion hoax has been completely proven to be exactly what it is, a hoax and a lie. And he still pretends that it's a real thing. So he's, he's, he's not only a dishonest liar, he's uh, delusional. And I, I suspect the same can be said of uh, Jamie Raskin, because basically what we now know is the FBI is attempting a cover-up. They're trying to hide. The whistleblower has come forward and said there is evidence of an investigation with credible facts and information that Joe Biden was accepting a $5 million bribe from a foreign actor. I don't mean an actor as in a Hollywood actor. I'm talking about, you know, but uh, someone acting on behalf of a foreign government. And so Jamie Raskin basically said, oh yeah, this is not true. It was looked into already. And the last, you know, the, the, the Donald Trump DOJ looked into it. 
and they determined there was nothing there. It was a total lie and so forth. And so William Barr, who was the attorney general at the time, and who, quite frankly, no one could really accuse him of being a, a friend of Donald Trump. So he could have just kept his mouth shut and not said anything. But he said, nope, that's not true. That's a lie. The investigation was not shut down and so forth. So he pointed out that Jimmy Raskin's just lying through his teeth. And it's very credible because normally if, if for example, William Barr were to tell me, I don't like Donald Trump because he's a bad guy. I just roll my eyes and say, never mind. I expect that out of him. But when he ends up saying that the Democrats are lying and that the investigation did not exonerate, that it looked very credible and that the information was sent a prosecutor in uh, Delaware to continue investigating it, looking more into it. That's not shutting it down. That's not saying there's no there there. And so then all of a sudden I'm saying, okay, this might be one of the times where you can count on Bill Barr in terms of what he's saying is true. Well, and, under normal circumstances, George, this might get me excited thinking, well, maybe we'll impeach this guy. Maybe, but yeah. you know why I don't get excited? Well, because we know the Senate's not going to remove him. Well, that, and you know what? <laughs> Kamala Harris, you want to Kamala Harris as president? Yeah. I mean, no, as, exactly. bad as, as bad as Joe Biden has been, I think Kamala Harris would be 10 times worse. So yeah. I don't. Oh, I think it. you're right about that. That's not a defense of Joe Biden because Joe Biden's been horrible, but she would be even worse. That's hard to imagine. So some people, some of our viewers and listeners might be like, how could that be? And the answer is, I guess. Never underestimate the ability of a leftist lunatic to make things even worse. I believe Joe Biden could make things worse, and he probably will, which is one of my worries, is we still have two more years of him in office. So on some level, I just think it's very interesting that the, the Department of Justice, the FBI, they're pulling another Hunter Biden laptop story. But this time, they're running interference and trying to protect the Biden family from their corruption. Imagine if there were credible allegations that Donald Trump or George Bush or you know any other Republican who's run for office had collected $5 million from a foreign adversary in a bribery thing. We also know that the families collected tens of millions of dollars from foreign adversaries as well. We don't know what for, but you wouldn't need to know what for if it were Donald Trump. If Donald Trump had collected tens of millions of dollars from Russian oligarchs, from the Chinese Communist Party uh, officials and things like that, they would just assume the worst. And that's actually probably on some level reasonably fair. Because when you, you know, imagine during World War II, if you were getting paid off by Hitler, probably not for legitimate reasons. The rules are different if it's Joe Biden. The Praetorian Guard steps up and makes sure to protect the family. They're allowed to engage in rank bribery, selling out our interests to foreign adversaries. And how dare you even mention that? How dare you even ask about it? It's Russian disinformation. It's not true. It didn't happen. 
Okay, whatever. And, and, and George, and the reason this will never get any traction is the media. The media being in bed with the Democrat Party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you know, when you think back. As well. It's not just you, the FBI, it's the mainstream media. Right. And when you think back uh, to the days of Watergate, that uh, it was it was the media that kept pushing Watergate, the cover up and uh, bingo there. That led to Nixon resigning. Well, we don't have a media in this country that would go after or Joe Biden or any Democrat, really. You know, a Democrat would have to have to pull out a gun and shoot and kill somebody in Times Square for the media to report it. OK. Yeah, right. there's no camera that actually recorded it. They might ignore <laughs> it. They might deny it. They might deny it. But you get what I'm saying is during yeah. Watergate, it was the media that pushed that story, pushed that story until it cannot be. It could not be ignored. And here I kind of wish they could media. do that with Joe Biden. That'd be well, nice. And, it, and so you got a media that is protecting him, will protect him, will protect really any 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 Democrat. Um, FBI is Biden bias on full display as Ray fences with Republicans over bribe doc. Yeah, well, that that's the interesting thing. Um, for example, did the FBI show any reluctance to raid Mar-a-Lago, even though it was incredibly nope. unprecedented and the statute they said they were going there to enforce was not a criminal statute. The Presidential Records Act is not a criminal statute. It doesn't mention even criminal, you know, nothing about that. It was just kind of procedural in nature. And it kind of set up this idea that if the National Archives wanted documents back, the president and the National Archives would negotiate over it. And that negotiation could go on for a long time. For example, with Barack Obama, they're still negotiating over some of those documents. Six years later, that is but incredible. they won't give, but they wouldn't be willing to give Donald Trump even two years to negotiate. You know, so bottom line is, um, I think what's very clear is the FBI wanted desperately to impugn and use its, you know, power to make him look bad. Of course, fortunately for Trump, the uh, turns out Biden had a bigger problem, but they've been hiding that because now we know we didn't know this at the time at Mar-a-Lago, but now we know that the FBI knew about that because it was it was made public after the election. But they knew about it last spring. So all you know, basically um, nine, ten months before it was revealed. So they basically agreed. We'll keep this on the lowdown for now. We'll raid, we'll raid uh, Trump, and we'll use that to our advantage in the election. And then after the election, we can kind of deal with this. And then now, of course, what are they doing? They're actively protecting the Bidens from their criminal activity and thwarting Congress and looking into it. And so bottom line is what this demonstrates for those who hadn't yet caught on, the FBI is thoroughly corrupt. I don't mean that every FBI agent is corrupt. I'm sure that the vast majority of the rank and file officers are good, decent people. But the leadership is thoroughly corrupt. And I don't just mean Ray. I mean the top echelon of leadership down to the last man has to be corrupt because they're in these meetings and they're not the whistleblowers. And if they are honest, decent people, 
it, they would be whistleblowers. And so the top echelon of leadership down to the last man, the last woman is corrupt. Indeed it is. Two tiers of justice. Yep. So we got in this country today. Two tiers of justice. You got yeah. the FBI, you got the Department of Justice, you've got the Attorney General. Um, you know, Sharon and I also talked about at the University of Texas, there is a program that's being federally funded to dirty conservative groups to make them criminals. Yeah. And all that is being covered up by the media, covered up by the government. Hey, George, got a lot of work to do here in this country. We have so much work to do in this country. Problem is, is that the the enemies within, it really is. Mm -hmm. All right, buddy, let's get a break in and uh, we'll come back on the other side with more news and commentary. You're listening to and watching Conservative Commandos. I'm Rick Trader. He's George Landreth. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Dog whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited and once they're gone, they're gone. To order, please call 800-797-7893 and use the promotion code AUNDV, that's 800-797-7893 and AUNDV, again, that's 800-797-7893 and AUNDV. And welcome back. Welcome back to the Conservative Commandos radio show. I'm Rick Trader. My co-host is George Landreth, and we are coming to you from the MyPillow studios, the MyStore studios of the AUNTV network. Hey, George, let's play a little game. Little game is who said this? I'm going to read you something, and you need to tell me who said it. It takes a special kind of stupid to say something this self-evidently absurd as if having six million illegal migrants in a few states along the border doesn't put a lot of pressure and stress upon those states and local areas george landreth who said that um you're right george landreth said that. that's funny <laughs> yeah i uh, i tweeted that out the other day because um i was in response to the uh, White House spokesperson, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, complaining that the idea of Texas and Florida sending migrants 
in relatively small numbers, comparatively speaking, to jurisdictions further up north in the United States was a big, big problem. They should not be doing that because those migrants were stressing and causing troubles in these uh, communities in these states. So my response, of course, was, oh, yeah, so like six million illegal immigrants in Texas and Florida and along the border in a handful of states, that doesn't put any pressure on anybody. They should all just stay right there. So I'm think, so I said to myself, this woman is a moron. She's a complete idiot because nobody with half a brain would say such a thing because they'd realize, you know, that's stupid. You could make other arguments if you want to. I don't say say they'd be good arguments, but don't make the argument that a third grader would go, what? I guarantee you, I have a granddaughter who is just turning eight years old. I guarantee you she would see the stupidity of that statement. She would go, wait a minute, what? And so if an eight-year-old can figure out that the White House secretary is stupid and a moron, then they're really stupid and a moron. And so that's what I tweeted, and it's funny because it got a lot of attention. Not only did Fox News pick it up and put it in an article, I guess maybe that's where you saw it, but I think I had um, like four or 5,000 people either retweeting or liking it. It was a crazy number of people. I'm not really... Uh, total creature of social media. So I don't usually get that kind of coverage, but it was very interesting. I apparently struck a chord. People kind of thought, yeah, good point. That's pretty stupid. Well, you know, also in this article, I'm looking at this article now, George, and it talks about the the mayor of New York, Eric Adams. Yeah. And it says here, uh, began his plan to bus several hundred illegal migrants to hotels in Orange and Rockland counties. I also had read that Eric Eric Adams has a plan to put these illegal aliens, they call them migrants, I call them illegal aliens, into private housing. Now, who's going to pay for that, George? Well, my understanding that? is his plan is he, because they're paying for, you know, they're paying for these luxury hotels, which is very expensive. So he yeah. was going to pay families, I forget the number was, but it was, you know, like a fourth that much money to house them. But my question would be is, how do you know that you're getting a migrant who's law-abiding as opposed to an MS-13 guy? And and when and that MS-13 guy that you have sleeping in the bedroom down the hall from you and your kids kills you and your kids, is is the uh, governor of New York going to be responsible for that? Well, because I didn't know if the plan was to put him in private homes, uh, people. It, isn't there something called the Fourth Amendment? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was going to be by volunteering, meaning oh, he's asking for people to volunteer. Uh, so he's not going to force them into your home. He's basically going to say, I'll pay you $100 a night. Will you be willing to accept these people in your home? The problem, of course, is while some of those migrants may not be violent criminals, I'm not saying they all are. They may be, you know, they obviously broke the law to get here. But some of them we know for a fact are working for the drug cartels. They're violent criminals. They commit crimes regularly and frequently. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure that's the guy I want to invite to live in my home and subject my family and children to that kind of a risk. These, some of these are people that have been raping little girls on their trip north throughout, you know, Latin America. 
And, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I don't want that guy in my house either. And so the question is, is he going to do anything about that? Is he going to be responsible for that? And the answer, of course, is no, because liberals are never responsible for anything. They won't even give you an apology. If they rape everyone in your family and, and kill half the people in your family, you will not get an apology. Not even an apology. That's the left. That's how they do. For example, look at what they did in the pandemic. Have any of them apologized for anything? No. Not so much as, a, yeah, I wish we'd handled that better. Not George. even that, which is not really much of an apology. Nope. Hey, George, talking about the pandemic, my wife and I were uh, watching TV today. And she made, a, I thought, an interesting comment. She says, isn't it interesting how no one talks about the pandemic anymore? That no one is pushing the vaccines anymore. No one is pushing isolation anymore. Nobody is pushing masking up anymore. It's all gone. It's all over. And what my answer to that was, George, it was nothing more than a bad flu that the vaccines didn't work, isolation didn't work, the shutdown didn't work, the masking didn't work, none of it really worked. What worked is the thing running its course. Yeah. And when you look back at, at the hysteria of masking up and isolation and everybody was going to die, it was a bad flu. But that's all it was, was the bad flu. It wasn't this this major, major, major pandemic. What made it life altering is the bad way it was handled by governments. Yeah, I mean, you basically, our, our children were abused in yep. the process and um, they lost two years of education at an important developmental stage in their lives, those two years may be hard to get back. Um, and then you have all the people that were forced into vaccines they didn't want, and they didn't need quite frankly, because they forced like every college kid in America to get a vaccine if they wanted to go to college. In the military you had to. And now what we find is it is, it, it is damaging to their health. So now our military is not gonna be as robust or effective because our military they, they are not in as good a shape as they would have been had they simply ridden it out. And so on so many different levels, you're exactly right. That's why they push for the amnesty, the COVID amnesty, because what they really, they don't want to say they're sorry. They just want you to agree to not hold them accountable. <laughs> and, you know, in real life, can you imagine like if somebody, some guy crashes his car through your house and then he says, I'd like you to sign a release. You're kind of like, well, actually, customarily, it, when you sign a release, you accept responsibility for the damages you've done. You pay for the damages you've done, and then you get a release. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how it works. You don't usually just walk and say, I want a release. Well, are you going to apologize? Do you accept any responsibility? Well, no. I just want you to agree I'm not responsible. Come on. What's wrong with you people? Why are you so hateful? Well, let's see, you shut down our businesses, you shut down our economy, you fueled runaway inflation that we're gonna be dealing with for years to come. Even the Biden administration talks about that, that they're seeing progress and that they believe they'll continue to have progress for the next two years. 
In other words, it won't be gone in two years. Well, they'll still be making progress, you know. And so on some level, I think we really have to recognize that in public policy, when people totally screw things up, we need to hold them accountable because accountability encourages people to do better next time. And if you tell people, hey, no big deal. What are the chances I of that, George? What do you really think the chances of that happening? You know what I would like? I would like when, when a candidate wins an election is, and is sworn into office, that they sign a contract with their constituents. And in the contract is verbalized the platform uh, that they ran on. And that if they violated the planks of the platform, that they can be sued by their constituents for breaking a legal contract. Think that's going to happen? No, that's not. Never. No, going that's to not going to happen. I mean, ultimately, the only accountability we have for public policy people, you know, like Jamie Raskin, he's a verifiable liar. Yes. yes. Adam Schiff. So the question is, will the voters of California and the voters of of Maryland hold them accountable and send them home? Because I have to be honest, if my congressman were a Republican. Uh -huh. but proved to be a habitual liar, I'd want to replace them because I don't see what good comes of having a guy that just identifies as your party, but basically is a lying sack of rotting fecal matter. Well, that's, that's, not that's really the difference, George. That is the difference between the way you think and the way a liberal thinks. Right. A liberal, well, I a liberal I will keep... Kind of like, they, well, you see, once again, that's George Lander versus... The standards of a liberal, a yeah. liberal will just keep on electing the same people, no matter how bad they are, no matter yeah. how bad they are. Why? Because they have a D behind their name. And I'll tell you where I, le I really learned that lesson. I've talked about it probably with you before, George. May 13th, 1985. Now, what happened on May 13th, 1985? Well, oh, there yeah. was a group in Philadelphia called MOVE. It was kind of a revolutionary, uh, black power, black to nature group. And they had two row homes in Philadelphia. All right. And they made a compound, a fortress out of it. Well, there was some rumors that some children were being abused in, in this fortress. So the city sent out licensing and enforcement and code enforcement and MOVE would not let them in. So licensing and enforcement called uh, the police. They wouldn't let the police in. So it, it, it got to be a standoff, which led to a raging gun battle. Over 5,000 rounds were shot into and from that house. There was a mayor in Philadelphia called Wilson Good, who literally had a bomb, a bomb dropped on this house. The bomb exploded. It ignited the house. The mayor of Philadelphia, Wilson Good, let that house burn. 30 people died in that house, including 20 children. He wouldn't let the fire department put the fire out. That fire consumed 151 houses, a block and a half, George. And it cost the taxpayers of Philadelphia, and again, this was in 1985, so we're talking 1985 dollars. It cost the taxpayers of Philadelphia 
$151,000 per house to rebuild those row houses. And you know what, George? In spite of all that, guess who got reelected? Wilson Good. Well, and that's the problem and why freedom requires eternal vigilance, because one of the main checks and balances on our system is a relatively a freak a system of relatively frequent elections. And to be blunt, if you're not going to hold as voters people accountable, then you deserve the crappy government you get. It was, I think, Winston Churchill who said, one of the problems with democracy is you get the government you deserve. And, you know, to be blunt, Philadelphia has been getting the government it deserves. And that's why it's a train wreck of a town now. And indeed, the people is. of Philadelphia have to make up their mind that they deserve better. And as soon as they decide they deserve better, they'll actually get better. That's George, how democracy works. George, they haven't done it in 73 years. Oh, okay. I know. And, and it's Baltimore, been 73 years. It's been 73 years since the Republican has been mayor yeah. in the city of well, Baltimore. That is that way. The you know you can go around the country. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles. It's the same story over and over again. Accountability yeah. is important, and if you See, don't George, have it, that's what makes you a nice guy. You say accountability. I say stuck on stupid. That's what I call these people. Yeah, That's why are. you're a nice guy, George, and I'm not such a nice guy sometimes. But let's get a break in. And you are listening to and watching the conservative commandos. I'm Rick Trader. He's George Landreth. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more news and commentary after this break. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Whoa, whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited and once they're gone, they're gone. To order, please call 800-797-7893 and use the promotion code AUNDV. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNDV again. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNDV. And welcome back. Welcome back to the Conservative Commandos radio show. I'm Rick Trader. My co-host is George Landreth. And again, I want to remind you about our voice text hotline. We do want to hear from you. That's why we set up the voice text hotline. The number 415-854-2677. 415-854-2677. So, George, this is uh, one of my favorite parts of the show. I call it a two-minute thingy. I don't know why I call it that, but I just do. Yeah. Well, you're probably just talking. I won't talk your ear off, but uh, you should, you know, 
I, I, well, I'm a it's lawyer. never two minutes. It's five yeah, exactly. minutes. Exactly. It's never two minutes. Exactly. Well, I wanted to ask you: Do you remember the uh, the Broadway play? It was a later a movie, a musical called "Annie Get Your Gun." I do. And one of the great songs in that Not is "Anything You Can Do, I Can Do I better. Can better." Anything you know, anything yes. you can do, I can do better. I can do. I love Debbie better Reynolds. Better than you. Remember and, Debbie uh, Reynolds? Uh, I think there's some version of that. I can't. I, I she can't played Eddie Oakley. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember, but yeah, but but uh, but but that that's a great song. I've always thought it was a hilarious song. You know, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you, and back and forth and that rivalry that they had going. But um, apparently in California, the good news is men may well make a better Miss California than women do. You know, anything they can do. So there's a guy named Monroe Lance who identifies as a woman and has won the Miss San Francisco pageant. He's already won that one. And so he will be competing very shortly in the Miss California pageant as the winner of California's you know, second largest city. Uh, and he'll be going up against biological women. So it's kind of interesting. So I, I think to myself, maybe it is a man's world. Because uh, we, now we can, men, it turns out, can be, uh, you know, better women's soccer players than women. Uh, better beauty contest contestants. Now, I have to be honest, I don't buy that for a second. Because when I look at, uh, what's his name, Monroe Lance. I don't see anything that's particularly beautiful. I just kind of go, I just look and go, yeah, I'm embarrassed for that dude. Oh, God. But, sure. you know, I mean, I think women are amazing and they're wonderful. And it's okay that they're different than men. If they were exactly the same as men, then I don't think it would all work out that well. You know, so, but we live in a world now where if you say you're a woman, you are. Okay. Not sure that's good science or good biology, but whatever. That's you know that's their political science. Well, George, you don't have to be too old to remember Annie Get Your Gun because actually there have been Broadway um, revivals. Uh, the 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 last one being in uh, the year uh, 2021. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but fair enough. I'm not as dated as I thought. In but yeah, but I, I just I think it's crazy that uh, we now have a world in which men identify as women and then they enter weightlifting contests for women and then they break all the records. And somehow we're supposed to think that's just that's a great day for womanhood. <laughs> well, maybe maybe a man can get the part of Annie Oakley. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who the very first Annie Oakley was? Mm -mm. The original Broadway of Annie Get Your Gun, the original Annie Oakley, Ethel right. Merman. Oh, yeah. Okay. And in uh, 2000, Mary Lou Henner mm. played Annie Oakley in Annie Get Your Gun. Hey, George, can you sing? Um, not that anyone would actually want to hear me. You heard well, me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, George. Because we could put you up as Annie Oakley, and I'll tell you why. It doesn't matter if you're a woman to be woman of the year anymore, right? 
So, George, it shouldn't matter that you can't sing. You can get the part of Annie Oakley. That's good. I self-identify as a fabulous <laughs> uh, vocal talent. There you go. You there know, you. I may not be one, but I self-identify as one. <laughs> it, it, George, how things have changed, I'd say in the last 15 years. I mean, the, the world has gotten stupid in the last 15 years. I mean, like a woman is not a woman, a man is not a man, or you can have 57 sexes. I mean, uh, this- We have a member of the Supreme Court that honestly couldn't answer the question, what, what is a woman? That I, in and I, of itself should my, each have- Each of my children could have answered that question at age five. I'm not saying they would have known the XY chromosome answer, or even necessarily the differences biologically between men and women at that age, because they weren't really that. But they could point, if you had 100 people in the room, roughly you know, some number of women and some number of men, they would have very accurately been able to identify woman, woman, man, woman, man, you know, all the way down the line. That right there and then should have disqualified her. If you're too stupid, if you're so stupid, you don't know what a woman is, you're too stupid to sit on the Supreme Court. No, I agree with but, you. I think that's disqualifying because it'd indeed. be like if you ask someone, what's one plus one? And they look at you and go, I mean, I'm not saying you can give them complex math problems because a lot of people can't do math in their head. But if you can't do one plus one in your head, then you ought not be on the Supreme Court. That's a little too easy. You don't have to be really good at math. Again, five-year-olds know what one plus one is. You can say, how many fingers am I holding up? And a, and a five-year-old knows that's two. Georgia, would you thank our guest for us, please? Absolutely. Um, really, just a really interesting conversation with Kevin Tober. Um, just with the Media Research Center, they look at what the media is up to, what they're talking about. And it was really insightful to talk about how CNN and all the other media, left-wing media lunatics, think that they can fix their problems, not by changing their coverage, not by becoming more fair or reasonable in their coverage, but by simply changing the names on the doors in their office. And they're gonna be uh, disappointed when they find out that they will continue to lose and shed viewers because people tune into a news program to get news not to be lied to. And once they figure out that you're lying to them, they start tuning you out. And that's what's been happening to CNN and ABC and NBC and MSNBC and CBS now for really a couple of decades. And it was it started off as a slow kind of decline. Now it's picked up some, uh, some momentum. It's no longer a slow decline. George, uh, tell us a little bit about Frontiers of Freedom. Sure. Frontiers of Freedom is a think tank. We're conservative. We give out, for example, a Ronald Reagan Award. And uh, you can find us at ff.org, ff.org. We have, you can find us on Rumble. We have a, a Rumble page with lots of uh, content there. And uh, we also have, if people are, you know, if they use uh, Roku or, or um, you know, some streaming channel, you can find us there as well at Torch TV using kind of the, the, you can see our logo there with the torch. That's the idea of, you know, Lady Liberty's torch lighting the way. And so, in fact, one of the things I wanna to talk to you about is if, uh, 
more of our uh, programming here at the AUN TV network might uh, be able to be ported over to uh, Torch TV. We, we will discuss that. We will discuss yeah. that. Georgia, thanks again for sitting in as my co-host. But for right now, we're out of time. We got to run and we got to go. Take care. God bless. And we'll see you tomorrow on TV and on radio. And I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried my coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence, and this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever going to have. It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants which produce the best beans ever. Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste, some that leave me jittery, or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. To order, please call 800-797-7893 and use the promotion code AUNDV. That's 800-797-7893 and AUNDV again. That's 800-797-7893. And AUN TV. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.